Good morning. We're glad you're here. Thank you, Dan, for leading our singing today. Appreciate Danton very much. We're very thankful for his ability to lead. Billy said earlier that he got Danton to help out today, and so we're very glad that Danton was able to lead. And we appreciate him and his family very, very much. We are very grateful for your presence today. If you are here and visiting, we encourage you to come back. We are so grateful that you have chosen to come today. We would encourage you to come back at every opportunity that you have. It's our prayer that you've had a happy holiday season thus far. We have a new year approaching quickly. Hard to believe 2020 is here. Seems like just yesterday we were faced with 2000. Everybody worried about changing millenniums, and here we are 20 years later. But we're glad to be here. We're glad that we can continue to live in a free country with all the great blessings and favors that we enjoy. We're thankful for the measure of health that we have and the opportunity to be a member of the church and to be a part of the work here at Olive Branch. I want to invite you to turn with me today to the passage that Jordan read a moment ago, Philippians chapter 3. In our study today, we're going to be talking about a fresh start. I thought with the new year approaching, and it's coming quickly, it might be good for us to think about the opportunity to start anew. A fresh start in life, that's appealing to a lot of people, isn't it? You know, there are a lot of folks that would pay good money for the opportunity to just start over. There's a lot to be said for being able to just wipe the slate clean and start anew. The beauty of living for the Lord, the beauty of the Christian life, is we have the opportunity, the blessing, to start anew. I think about when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He was writing to people that had a lot of problems, spiritually speaking. And Paul would write to the church at Corinth, and in his second letter he would say, If any man be in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things are passed away. He said, behold, all things have become new. And so you think about as a child of God, you have the opportunity to enjoy a new life. There's a lot to be said for a new beginning, a fresh start, a clean slate. And Paul in Philippians chapter 3 talks about this idea of a fresh start. And so as we face 2020, I want to emphasize these thoughts today about a fresh start, a new beginning, a clean slate. I want to begin by first of all talking about the importance of forgetting the things which are behind us. As has been said so many times, the past is in the past, isn't it? We can't rewrite history. We can't go back and undo what has been done. And so there are times when we have to learn to let it go, to put the past behind us, to, as Paul would say, forget the past. Listen to him beginning in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul said, not that I've already attained 
or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. So here's that idea of forgetting the things that are behind us. And a couple of thoughts here. Number one, I think it's always good to assess our past. There are some benefits to assessing the past, aren't there? One of the things that comes from assessing the past has to do with honestly looking at our past. When you look back at your life, you know, sometimes we're not quite honest when we look back and reflect upon the past. And I think what the Bible teaches is that we have to be honest and forthright. To honestly look at our past. You look at the life of the Apostle Paul, the one who is writing this epistle. Paul is in prison. The time is about A.D. 61 or 62. And Paul calls to mind his past life. As a matter of fact, he doesn't try to conceal it, doesn't try to cover it up, doesn't try to blow smoke over the past, but he's very honest and candid. So listen to him. Beginning in verse 5, Paul said that he'd been circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is, which is in the law, blameless. Now you look at the past of Paul. We know him in the book of Acts in chapters 8 and 9 as Saul of Tarsus. Luke said he made havoc of the church. In Acts chapter 26, Paul recounted his life as a Pharisee and a Jew. And he said, I thought within myself that I ought to do all things contrary to the name of Jesus. He said, this I also did. He said, having shut up many of the saints in prison. He said, when they were put to death, he said, I cast my vote against them. Now you think about that. When Stephen was put to death in Acts chapter 7, do you remember who was present on that occasion? None other than Saul of Tarsus. Saul had a past, didn't he? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul said that he had been formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. He said, but I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So Paul, Saul of Tarsus, had a past, and that past was not necessarily one to be proud of. But then here's a second question. First, I said we need to honestly look at our past. The second question is, have we learned from our past? You know, we can learn from our past, whether good or bad, can't we? You know, if we're honest in evaluating the past and looking at how life has played out, so to speak, thus far, what have we learned? You know, if we don't learn from our past, then the bottom line is, what good? is our past. Have we made mistakes? 
Have we done things that we regret? Been places maybe that we're ashamed of? When we look back and we think about where we were, have we learned from that? Positively speaking, things that we've done that are good and right and noble, people that we've helped, encouraged, prayed for, have we learned? You know, you think about that body of Old Testament Scripture, 39 books in the Old Testament. And Paul said that those things that were written before time were written for our learning. You can go back and you can read of the great men and women of God. When you begin looking at the lives of some of these great people, the Bible doesn't gloss over their mistakes, doesn't mislead us about some of the things that they've done. The Bible's very candid, very forthright, You look at the life of an Abraham or a David. Do you think that those men learned something from their past? Can we learn from our past? The answer is yes. So I think, first of all, we've got to assess our past, and then secondly, we've got to be willing to address our past. A willingness to address our past. Now, first I would say, we have to resolve to let go of the past, and that's the hard part, isn't it? Listen again to what Paul said. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, it's not possible in many respects to purge our mind of memories that have been made in the past. But we can resolve to let go, can't we? You know, there are things that maybe we've done in the past that we're not proud of, as I said a moment ago. There are things that maybe we would do differently today. And sometimes folks beat themselves up over their past. And the problem is, they can't let it go. I think what the Bible teaches is that we have to resolve to let go of the past. And then I think a second very important principle. We have to refuse to live in the past. You ever talk to somebody who lives in the past? They always talk about their glory days and all the things that they've done in the past. Look, there's a lot to be said for taking the past with us. And there are some sweet memories that we all have from the past, don't we? But there's something to be said for living in the present. The past is gone, isn't it? And I think from a negative vantage point, look at, the, look, at the, look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul said, forgetting the things which are behind. Do you think Paul would have been a profitable servant to the Lord had he not learned to let go of the past and to refuse to live in the past? You think he could have beaten himself up every day? I think he could have. You know, sometimes we are are our own worst enemy, aren't we? Sometimes we're our worst critic. We are the hardest on ourselves. And so what Paul here is saying is, look, we've got to forget what's behind us. Now, there's a second thought here. 
First, forget what's behind us, and then secondly, focus on what is before us. Listen now to what Paul said. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So we think about focusing on the things which are before us. There's some challenges to this, aren't there? I mean, you think about the challenges before us with regard to focusing on things before us. One is be realistic. This is the time of year when people start making resolutions, don't they? Sometimes folks have unrealistic resolutions. How many, how many times have you heard somebody say, you know what, I'm going to take off 50 or 100 pounds. You ever heard that? And they have this idea they're going to do it in two months. Let me tell you what, if that's your goal, if that's your idea, I can tell you right now you're going to fail. It's not happening. You're not going to lose 50 pounds or 100 pounds in two months. It won't happen. Unless maybe you starve yourself. And then I'm not sure you could do it. You've got to be realistic, don't you? With regard to the work of the church. You know, there are things sometimes that we want to do, we aspire to do, we'd like to be involved in, but realistically, we don't have the time and we don't have the talent. In Mark chapter 14, Mark talks about a lady that anointed the head of Jesus before his death. And she was criticized by the disciples. And Jesus said, let her alone, she's done a good work for me. And then here's what he said. She has done what she could. Now you think about the time and the talents that you have. And we're focusing on things which are before us. Be realistic about what you can do. Look, if you sign up to open and close the building, then you need to be here to open and close the building, don't you? If you don't have the time to do that, don't write your name down. That's just one example. There are some things that take time. And most of us have, have the talent to put a key in a door and open it. But again, being realistic. Not only being realistic about what we can do, but being responsible. Taking responsibility. Now you think about the challenges of reaching the goal. Paul had as his goal heaven, didn't he? That's the grand, that's the, the grand goal of every child of God. We want to get to heaven. We've got to be realistic and understand it is a day-by-day -day journey, isn't it? It happens one day at a time. And then taking responsibility for life, taking ownership. Look, we live in a day and time when people sadly do not want to take ownership. Not that it's really any different from days gone by. When Adam sinned in the garden, Eve, as you well know, initially sinned transgressing the law of God in the garden. But when God confronted Adam, what did he do? He blamed the woman, didn't he? Sometimes we're not willing to take responsibility. We're not willing to take responsibility for our actions in the past. So 
learning to take ownership, being, being realistic. And you think about realistically living the Christian life. I wish I could stand before you today and tell you that as a child of God, you'll never make a mistake. You'll never make an error in your judgment. You'll never say something you regret or do something that you wish you hadn't have done. Why is that? Because we're human beings, aren't we? And as human beings, we're not perfect. You know, we are that imperfect side of the church. Now, sometimes folks are so hard on themselves. As I said a moment ago, we are our own worst critic. That when we make a mistake, it's the end of the world. John recognized the possibility of God's people making mistakes. And the idea is, as a child of God, sin is not a way of life. And so John said, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's second law of pardon. In 1 John 2, John said, These things I write to you, little children, that you sin not. That's the divine ideal. But if any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The picture is that of Jesus standing before the bar of heaven. He is our advocate, our attorney, so to speak. He is pleading our case before the Father and the basis upon which we enjoy exoneration is what? His blood. And so the blood of Christ is constantly working in our lives. And so we've got to be realistic. We've got to be responsible. But then what about the criterion? What about the criterion for reaching the goal? Now listen again to what Paul said. Paul said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The criterion for reaching our goal is going to take two things. And this is where we miss the way sometimes. Number one, it's going to take a lot of discipline. What resolutions do you have for the new year? Trying to take off some weight? Trying to get in better shape? Are you trying to become a better student of Scripture? Are you trying to live a better life? Let me tell you what, it's going to take some discipline. If you want to lose weight, you're going to have to be disciplined. No more Twinkies. No more Little Debbies. No more cake. I mean, look, you got to be serious about this stuff, don't you? You know, we talk about discipline. Discipline is usually for somebody else, isn't it? Well, to achieve any goal, you've got to be disciplined. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talked about running the Christian race. And he talked about those ancient Grecian games, the Olympics, in which some people were striving for a perishable crown. He said, but we as God's children 
Our goal is to lay claim to an imperishable crown. It's called the crown of life that fades not away. And so in light of that, here's what Paul said. I bring my body in subjection daily. I buffet my body, lest after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself might become a castaway. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, in order for me to get to heaven, I've got to be disciplined in my life. I want to tell you why some Christians won't make it to heaven, because they're not disciplined. We lack temperance. Now look, discipline is not an easy trait to acquire. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. Somebody that's going to reach his or her spiritual goals, physical goals for the new year, it's going to take discipline. You want to read and study and master certain passages of Scripture, you're going to have to be disciplined in your study of God's Word. It's not going to come by reading a chapter a day and closing the book. It won't happen that way. You've got to be disciplined. So first, you have to have discipline. Secondly, dedication, devotion. When you think about the Apostle Paul, what comes to mind? The thing that comes to my mind is his absolute devotion, dedication to the Lord. Do you remember in Philippians 1.21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ. Paul here is saying, my life is all about Jesus. He would say in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Let me share with you another verse that you're well aware of. Matthew 6.33, you remember what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Seeking first the kingdom. That requires devotion, dedication. There's something about putting the Lord first, making Him preeminent in life. And so that's the criteria. If you want to reach the goal, the goal of heaven, you've got to be disciplined and you've got to be devoted or dedicated. Now there's a third thing I want to share with you. The third important principle we talk about focusing on the things which are before us. But what about foreseeing? You know, having foresight for that which is before us. Foreseeing that which is before us as children of God. As I think about foreseeing the future, now none of us are prophets, but we we have a mind that God has given us. We have the ability to make discernments every day. And so, I want to talk a little bit for just a moment or two. I know our time is almost gone. But I want you to think with me for a moment about, think if you would, about staying on course. A fresh start. A new start, a new beginning. If you want to enjoy this new beginning, this fresh start, as we think about the future, staying on course, a couple of things are going to have to happen. Number one, you're going to have to walk by the message of the cross. Listen to what Paul said beginning in verse 15. 
Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained. Paul said, let us walk by the same rule. The word rule here in the original is canon. And the meaning is a measuring rod, a measuring stick. There are certain things that we use to measure things in life, like a ruler. What Paul is saying is God's Word is our canon. It is our standard. Now we talk about Scripture. 66 books of Scripture. The canon of Scripture. Paul here is saying that we have a canon, a measuring rod, a standard, by which we can live the Christian life. Now, if we're going to enjoy the blessings of heaven, number one, we've got to stay on course, don't we? When you start the new year, Let's just think about your goals. Let's say you want to lose 50 pounds over the next year. Well, you got to stay on course, don't you? you? You can't be deviating from that course. If you're going to exercise every day, you can't take a break. You got to exercise. You're going to lose weight, you got to watch your diet. It is a daily thing, isn't it? So we talk about, we talk about the importance of this message of the cross. And staying the course. If you want to stay the course, you've got to stay with the Word of God. And not only do we need to stay on course, but we need to stay the course. And that is, we want to cross the finish line, don't we? Now you think about people today that want a fresh start, a new start. Let's say they want to put the past behind them. Let's say we want to put the past behind us. And we're going to use the criterion that's set forth in Scripture. Well, as we stay the course, two things are essential. Number one, we've got to stay focused in life, don't we? Look at Philippians chapter 3. Listen to what Paul said down in verse 20. Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. Remember to stay focused. Remember, remember who you are. Number two, remember whose you are. If you are a child of God, to remember that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Your goal is to go to heaven. Maybe there are things in your past that need to be rectified, then make amends for that and move forward. But stay the course. Stay focused. Remember to stay focused. And remember your future. Listen to what Paul said again in closing. He said, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed unto His glorious body. You know what Paul is saying is, there's a time when Jesus is coming again. We have a glorious future before us. Don't throw your future away for the world. Don't throw it away for the temporary, the transitory. If you've made mistakes in the past and you want a clean start, then look, seize the opportunity. Paul here is saying the Lord Jesus is coming. When He comes, this mortal body is going to become immortal. This corruptible body is going to become incorruptible. Death is going to be swallowed up in victory. We're going to be home with the Lord forevermore. 
So you've got to stay on course and you've got to stay the course. Sometimes, sadly, we lose people in the church because they don't stay the course. They start strong, but something happens and they deviate from the course. Can't afford to do that. So today I want to ask you, does the opportunity for a fresh start appeal to you? What if you're not a Christian and your life has been a total train wreck and you've made mistake after mistake after mistake and you've got all kinds of problems in your life and in your mind, in your heart of hearts, you're saying there's absolutely no way that I can put the past behind me, no way God would ever forgive me of my past. I want you to listen to what Paul said. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul was the chief of sinners. He was the poster child, if you please, for sin. And Paul said the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, Paul would say, where sin abounded, grace abounded, listen to him, much more. Whatever your sin, God's grace can handle it. Whatever stain and shame in your life, the cleansing power of the blood of Christ can remedy that, can it? John said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. So what would you need to do? Believe Jesus to be the Son of God. Repent of your sins as they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2.38. Be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away. And then the beauty of that reflected in the fact the Hebrew writer said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins and their iniquities. I will remember, listen to him, no more. That's a fresh start. That's a new start. It might be you're here today, you're a Christian, somewhere along the line, you got, you got away from the church. You got away from doing what you know to do. You got away from living right. And you want to come home. I want you to know God will take you back. God will give you a fresh start, a clean start, a new start. That's the kind of God we serve. We would be happy to pray with you and for you. As James said, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Today we invite you to a fresh start as we stand and sing.